Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are new, I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, and really glad you are worshiping with us today. Um, Especially if you're new, you're joining us online, we are just really, really glad you are here with us. Um... There's a, there's a phenomenon, you know, my wife and I, we've been here almost 30 years, and uh, we always put our kids to bed early, and we always done that, it's kind of for them, so they can get more rest, and also we just kind of love to spend that time together, and we've always got a show, you know, we always got a show we're watching, we love that, that you can watch it all at once now, as opposed to, you know, it used to come out every week or whatever, we, we love this, and you know, there's a phenomenon, you probably, a lot of you experience it, what do you do when that show ends, like you've got to find another show, and you start searching. What are some good shows out there? You start texting friends. You try to find out what the new show is. Well, we're recently in between shows. And I was like, well, I never really saw what all won the Emmys. Maybe there's a show there that we've seen. And I was like, and I was looking at the comedies. And I was like, I hadn't even looked. It's like, I'm sure like Ted Lasso won everything or whatever for best comedy. And I look and I'm like, no. It's like this show called The Bear. Best, best, best comedy, best actor, best supporting actor, best supporting actress, best director. I was like, wow, for it to be so good compared to all of those other ones that were nominated, this must be an incredible comedy. This must be hilarious. It must be awesome. And I told Hadi, he's like, this won all these Emmys. We should totally watch it. And I'm expecting this is just going to be hilarious. And if you have seen one episode of this, you already know where this is going. We watched the first episode, and I almost, I mean, I was, I mean, my stomach hurt. I mean, I was overwhelmed. I was burdened. It was not, it was not funny at all. I mean, it's like, it's a lot of desperate situations, and I was like, it's heavy, and there's, there's drug abuse and suicide, and I'm like, oh, my word. And I looked at Heidi, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't think I can do this. And she's like, this is really good. And I'm like, yeah, but at what cost? And so I almost gave up. And she said, let's watch another one. I watch another one. And I'm telling you, now I'm just down here like this. And I'm on Google. How do you get qualified for a comedy versus a drama? Like, like I don't understand. Like, I don't understand these rules. And it's actually fascinating and pretty interesting. But that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> and so after a couple of episodes, Hadi's like, we need, to, we need to keep going. And I'm like, okay. And we, we pushed through. And by the middle of season one, uh, we, we, we watched both seasons in an embarrassingly short amount of time. That's some of the best television that's been on in a while. But I had to release the idea, this is not a comedy. I, we, we, or we have very different definitions of these words. But we almost gave up. We almost gave up. Almost like, God, I just don't think that I can do this. And, you know, sometimes you do that. You do that with shows. You give it, you give it one episode, and like it doesn't work. People are talking about this. There's some of your favorite shows that we gave one. We were one and done. We were one and done Big Bang Theory. We were one and done How I Met Your Mother. This is just not for us. We're not into this. No, thank you. We kind of moved on. And then there are some shows. I don't know if you ever had this. This is actually kind of heartbreaking for me because, um, you know, sometimes it, 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 feel, it, feels like, it feels real. It feels like loss, right? You watch a show for several years. 
And then eventually you're like, no, nah, I just not, I can't, I can't, I can't with this anymore. No offense, the office was that way. I mean, once Michael Scott left, like, what are we doing? What do we, what do we do? I, I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. For old people in the room, ER was the same way. I mean, when all the original people were left, like, I don't care about these people anymore. And you're only in it because you've been in it for so long, right? Out of some sort of attachment. And it really is, it, it feels like a breakup. I don't know. I mean, has you ever, ever felt like, like, got guilty? Like when you stop watching a show you've been watching for years and you're like, man, I'm, I'm just giving up on them. That is, if we've been friends for so long. I mean, like it feels like, it feels emotional to me. Like, and, and also I think there's a sense like you have to, you have to finish what you started. I, I just have this thing. And it's, it's funny with shows, you make a little humorous anecdote about it, but what, like, but what about with people? What about, what about, what about we're, not, we're not talking about TV shows, but we're talking about a- actual people. Because the phenomenon is, fair, is actually kind of similar. There's some people, right? You meet them, you get one episode in, and you're like, this, this, no, this is, this, is not, this is not for me. This was perfectly fine. This is perfectly fine. I can see why somebody would want to be your friend. <laughs> like, I, you're not a child. It's just not working. And so one episode, and you're kind of done. Some people, some people have a good season. You have a, this was a good season, but we're not, we're not going to make it to season two. And then you've got some where you're like, we're in it for a long time together. And then, and then something happens. What do you do? What is the right thing to do? What is the Christian thing to do? When a relationship that has been valuable to you for a really long time when something happens and suddenly it starts to feel like it's, it's, it's just, we're just not supposed to do this anymore. Well, the answer to that, I mean, is, you know, as unsatisfactory as this will be, is, is, a, is, a, is a big, un, it depends really. It really depends on the length of the relationship, the nature of the relationship, like a spouse versus a sibling versus a parent versus a friend, how you know the friend, what the context is. The reality of it is, is that relationships are incredibly complicated. And if you've been around here for a while, you know that just about every year we'll do some sort of series on relationships. And very often it's kind of nuclear, family-centered. We'll talk about primarily marriage or parenting or a little bit of both. But today we're just going to kind of, this, 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 this month we're just going to do a little bit different. Just kind of just a little broader perspective about what kind of people we are, are we supposed to be in relationships, especially when especially when it gets difficult, when it's complicated, when it doesn't seem to follow the normal, easy, simple rules that we would love for our relationships to have. So there's a passage in Colossians 3 that I feel like is highly underrated, but is a really good passage to talk about relationships with. I just kind of, I think it's one of the, should be one of the most, one of the primary passages to talk about who we're supposed to be in relationships. It's in Colossians chapter 3, right before he's about to talk about marriage and parenting and these sorts of things. He kind of gives a preamble about the sort of people that God has called us to be in relationships. Colossians chapter 3, starting verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Interesting, it's kind of a lot of mixed metaphors here that Paul is putting together as he's trying to describe what we're supposed to be. At first he is talking about kind of using a clothing metaphor, like put these things on, put these attributes on like clothes, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And when you see this idea of putting on a cloth, it's like, it's like this, it's, it's not who, necessarily who you are, but it's close to it. It's like it is the thing that you present with when somebody sees you coming. It, it, is, it is a defining characteristic. It is something that defines what you look like and who you are. Like you are these, this is the kind of person that you are. These aren't just things that you do. These are things that you are draping yourself with. I am a compassionate, gentle, kind person. And, and, and we need to be forgiving. You need to forgive everybody, just like Jesus forgave you. And above all of that, put on love. And that kind of moves to kind of a glue metaphor. It binds it all together. It is, it is the stitching. It is the stitching that puts all of these different things together. Above everything, be someone that loves. And then you, you be at peace. You be peaceful in your heart. This is what God has called us to. He's called us to peace. And so this is who we're supposed to be. It doesn't really necessarily give us a lot of advice about how to handle a whole lot of specific situations. But as far as who it is you're supposed to be, who are you supposed to be in relationships, here is a great picture. Humility, compassion, patience, kindness, forgiveness with an overarching idea of love. And so if the overarching idea is love, and this is going to be the least satisfactory, least significant, not significant, but like this is not going to be a, a, news, a like news flash here. This thing that Paul says here that above everything else put on love. So I'll just, I will just, we'll just say it. Above everything else, God has called us to love one another. You know, if you've been, you know, it's, it's probably not the first time. You've heard me say that, so not the first time you've heard the Bible say that. Even if you're brand new, it is probably not particularly shocking to you. Hey, do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says you're supposed to love, it, love one another. Like, of course, of course. But just because something is routine, just because something is something that gets mentioned a lot, just something is something gets repeated a lot, doesn't make it any less significant. And in fact, the more often something is repeated and the more often it is kind of put at the top of a whole lot of lists, the more important it becomes. This is what Paul says, above everything else in your relationships, you be sure that you love one another because that's what binds everything else together. And the two greatest commandments that Jesus talks about both involve that word. Love the Lord your God with everything that you are. We just spent a month talking about what that looks like. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we better believe that and we also should know what it means. And so I'm trying to do a little preacher trick, right? Well, okay, if you're going to say something that you just say a lot, how can you make it new? How can you make it fresh? And so I decided I was going to do something actually pretty simple. I was going to look up and define the word love. Like we, we think, we say we know what it means, but what does it really mean? And then as, as, as soon as I, I started typing, I kind of looked for a dictionary definition, it came to my mind, here's what's going to happen. We're going to end up in a circle. They're going to define love by one thing, and I'm going to look up that, and, they, and we're going to end up, 
we're not end up with a real definition. We're just going to end up in a circle. And you're like, bro, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll explain it to you right here. So I look it up. What is love? And then you say, baby, don't hurt me. Correct. Well done. <laughs> love, deep affection. Like, yeah, okay, I know what, okay, okay, yeah, deep affection, perfect. All right, well, let's look up the word affection. What does affection mean? Well, affection means fondness or liking. Okay, what is fondness? Affection. And, and now we've done it. We, we, a, a full circle, a bunch of words that just define each other. But, but, but what is it? Okay, I have, I have affection for you. I like you. I am, I am fond of you. Somehow I think we all understand that at its deepest level, especially when we talk about the love that God wants us to have, it's, it's deeper than that. How can I be someone that is constantly, that I, I can really be someone that, 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 that loves you? Because it's, it's, it's deeper. It's, it's way more complicated than just simply I'm going to be affectionate towards you. I'm going to like you. I'm fond of you. There's a couple of rhetorical questions. Can you be loving someone, and because you love them, and the way that you're loving them, you make them cry? That seems a little counterintuitive, but anybody here who has ever been a parent of any child, certainly even a child under three, has made your child cry many times by doing the thing that was in fact loving to them. Can I do this? I want to do this. No, you cannot do that. That is dangerous. You can't do it. And then they cry and they get upset. But your motive was love. Can you love someone and not approve of what they're doing? Can you approve of them and say, hey, you're making a bad decision here? And again, I can take the easy way out and talk about kids because obviously you can with kids. You do it all the time. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that. That's not safe. Can't do it. It's not safe. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. What I want to, it doesn't matter what you want. What about with each other? What does love look like? It's like, hey, I don't think you should do that. What's what I want to do? Well, that doesn't matter. I feel like this is who I am. That also doesn't matter. This is a dangerous thing. You shouldn't, you shouldn't do it. Because I think very often we get this kind of unconditional acceptance, not just of the person, but of behavior. We kind of, we kind of, we kind of mesh it into this thing. And, and we don't know, we don't, we're not really able to really do the work that it takes to love somebody when things get broken. There are no commands in the Bible that say, hey, you know what you should do? The people that you really like and you're fun with, you should totally hang with people you're vibing with. People that you like and you're hanging with and everything's great, you should totally spend time with them and enjoy spending time with them. There's no commands in the Bible that say that. You don't need to be commanded to do that. When he's talking about love, he's talking about it over all these things. Love, what things? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. Real love is not found when you're doing things that you like with someone you're currently getting along with. The type of love that he's talking about is, 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 is a few levels deeper than that. If I'm needing to show someone I love patience, 
then they are doing something that is making me impatient. You're, you're being a lot right now, and you're being a lot for a long time. Why do I need to show you gentleness? Because you're just kind of a cactus right now. And for your sake and mine, I don't want the thorns to poke me, and I don't want to pull any thorns out of you necessarily. But i got to figure out how to manage whatever this is. How do I show compassion? Something has gone wrong, and I need to be willing to step into it. Kindness. Again, the command to be kind only makes sense if there's reasons not to be. There is something about the way that you are talking, the way that you are treating me, that feels unkind to me. I need to respond with kindness, with gentleness, with patience, with compassion. Someone who forgives and above all loves well. The type of love that God is calling us to, it shines when the relationship is broken. When someone has done something wrong, when someone has hurt you, when you have hurt them, that is how we really show this above everything else kind of love. So above everything else, God has called us to love one another. And back here in, um, in verse 13, he says, bear with each other, forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So above else, God has called us to love one another, and this includes unconditional forgiveness. One of my least favorite, but I think most significant phrases in all of Scripture is found right there. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I'm deeply moved by it. And I, and I don't like it, and I think it is overwhelmingly difficult to understand. That I am supposed to forgive the people in my life in the same way that Jesus Christ has forgiven me. Because honestly, that's just not how forgiveness works. The way Jesus forgave us is not the way most of us, if any of us, really think about the way that forgiveness is supposed to work. Because the way that, for, you know, if, if I'm going to really forgive, and we, I went to the dictionary again, right? I'm going to stop feeling angry or resentful. I'm going to cancel a debt that is owed. So you've hurt me. Now I am angry or resentful. And I believe that you owe me something. And I'm going to cancel that. And I'm going to do it the way that Jesus did. Well, how did Jesus do it? He offers this forgiveness to us. And if we will just come to him and say, I I want to accept this thing that you have given me. I don't have to earn it. He doesn't make me pay for it on the front end. It is not by works that we receive His salvation. And it's also not something you receive and you have to pay off after the fact. It is an unconditional thing, not based on anything that I've done. I don't even, I don't even know, I I don't even know how to, uh, honestly, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to get there sometimes. Because that's not how forgiveness works, right? You do something and I've hurt you and I come to you and apologize and you're like, you get this, right? And it happens in your house. You got one person who's sorry and one person who's... So then what do you do? You know what to do, right? More dishes than you normally would do. Hey, let me, hey, let me, let me do the dishes. Hey, let me, let me fold that. How, how, how about, how about, how about I'll, take, I'll take care of dinner tonight? I'll, I'll, I'll get the kids ready. You just stay right here. And, and, and you're doing all of these things more than you normally would until hump becomes... And now you don't have to do dishes anymore, which is great. Or, or... You're like, 
Will you please forgive me? Yes, I will. And now, now, and, 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 now the, and now the begging begins. And, and the, you get the forgiveness, and, but then you do the dishes, right? And then, you have to, then you have to do all of the things. You have to do the things to make up for the thing that you did. And that's something, but that's not forgiving the way Jesus forgave. As if I'm having to pay a debt back. He forgives unconditionally. I no longer need anything from you. And I choose not to hold any of this against you anymore. And I choose to no longer be angry or resentful about it. That's tough. That is tough to do. At its simplest, this is who we need to be. We need to be people who love well. We need to be people who are forgiving. And at its simplest, before we get to the part that's complicated, I want to make sure that we understand just the really simple part. In relationships that you have that matter, people are going to hurt your feelings. When you spend a lot of time with somebody, they're ultimately going to do things that you don't like. This is just a part of life. People are going to say things they shouldn't and do things they shouldn't. You're going to miss each other on certain days, and there's going to be problems. And we need to be the type of people that say, even though you have hurt me, I still love you. I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be angry with you. When you, when, when you apologize, it's, we, we talk about it, we resolve it, and we move forward. We're not the kind of people who's like, yeah, okay, I forgive you, and I'm going to put it right here. And then, and then if I come back, oh, you did it again. It's like, you know, you've done this 17th. This is the 15th time you've done this, right? You see this. Now, I still forgive you. And you put it back in the back pocket again. We do not keep short accounts with people. We do not genuinely forgive. We hold small grudges. We need to be forgiving sorts of people. We need to be people that with the people around us that we love, we need to be wiping slates clean and having new, fresh relationships where we are genuinely moving forward, genuinely loving each other. That's what we need to be. At its simplest and its easiest, we need to make sure that we're doing that. There are some relationships and some situations that are immensely complicated. But I don't want to skip to the complicated and the people in here who really struggle with being gracious, forgiving people begin to put every relationship into the complicated category. If every relationship you have, if forgiving them is complicated, guess what? You're complicated. It's, it's you. There's a work that you need to be doing. But again, I don't want to oversimplify this issue because relationships are incredibly difficult. Um, I mentioned the story a couple of weeks ago. If you've been around, you've heard this story many times. It's a defining story in my life as far as kind of a marker in my life to kind of tell me who I'm really going to be. And it was, comes from my first full-time pastoring job in St. Louis. I was working with a guy. He was the lead. I was with him for about four years. Church wasn't going well. And after four years, he said, I've decided all of this is your fault. You're fired. And you should never be a pastor again. You're no good at this. You've, some of you have heard that. Some of you haven't. You're a little taken aback right now. This was about 20 years ago. About I guess it was right at 18 years ago when this went down. But there's more to it than that. What he began to do with the, with the guy who was also on staff is they were working their way alphabetically through the entire list of people at the church. 
I could figure out what was happening alphabetically based on who was calling me. The A's were calling me, and then a couple of days later, the B's were calling me. By the time we got the F, G, I was like, I think I, think I figured out a pattern here, or I figured out what's happening here. They were meeting, going through the list alphabetically, and going to every person in the church, essentially all of my friends, and saying, I know this is shocking to you, but you don't understand. He's an incredibly angry person. He has a huge temper problem. We've been trying to keep this from y'all, but finally it's just gotten too much, and, and you just don't understand. And if you'll just trust us, you just know that we're better, we're better off. I've been working with these guys for four years, and never one moment in any of those times anyone even mentioned this to me. It certainly was not mentioned to me in the time that I was fired. In the 20 plus years I'd known this guy, this had never come up. Now he's going around to all of my friends telling me this. And Jesus says, Paul says, God's word says, I need to forgive. What does it look like? He's not sorry. What does forgiveness look like? There was this moment when he came to the house in the middle of doing all of this. He had not talked to Heidi yet. And he came to the door and I met him at the door. And Heidi was coming down the stairs. And she got about halfway down before she saw him. And he was talking to me and he looked at her. And he's like, I just... This has just been really hard and difficult. And he looks at Heidi and is like, can, 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 I, can, can, I, can I give you a hug? And she looks at him and she goes, no, you can't give me a hug. And I'm like, i just given him a hug today before. I didn't know we could do that. <laughs> we can just tell him no. We can tell him, we can tell him no. We can tell him no. She said, if I gave you a hug, that would be me telling you that this is okay and it is not okay. And I'm like, this is, I, I like this. Because it's more complicated. Like, I, I'm just in my heart. It's like, well, I got to do, do what the nice thing is. It's like, I'm not going to tell you this is okay. It's not okay. But the reality of it is forgiveness is more than just repair in a relationship. I couldn't repair that relationship. I couldn't. We'll spend some time over the next couple of weeks. I'll, I'll keep filling you in more and more what happened over the next four or five years. I can't do anything about that. But I can do something. It's not just about that. Forgiveness is also about the bitterness and resentment that's in my heart. What is bitterness going to do for me? One of my favorite definitions of bitterness is drinking poison waiting for somebody else to die. That I am just going to just, I'm just going to sit here and be mad that somehow you on the other side of town, the other side of the country, the other side of the world, that somehow you're going to feel this thing that I'm feeling. But it's, about a, it's partly about a healing that God is going to do inside of me. Because forgiveness looks different when the person that you're talking to is legitimately sorry. Forgiveness is different when that person is not sorry at all. And then forgiveness gets crazy complicated when they say they're sorry. But you find yourself in this infinite repeating loop of the same things just keep happening over and over again. So God has called us above everything else to love each other. He's called us to forgive. But reality, reality makes this very hard and often very complicated. Again, at its simplest, I don't want us to lose this, at its simplest, what relationships need to be defined as when there is hurt, not if there is hurt, when there is hurt, when there is misunderstanding, we talk about it rather than holding on to it. We talk about it. And when you are the one that has done the offending, you are 
repentant. I, I'm sorry, I don't want to do that. And we talk about repair and we talk about how things can be different and we can talk about how things are better. And ultimately, we are building something and we move forward. And even if they happen again and we have to have the repair conversation again, we're communicating with each other, we're talking about it and we're building and we're moving forward. But some relationships aren't like that. Some of them are more complicated. And again, I want you to hear me say this. Some of you are putting certain things into the complicated category, and it's not. The reality is you need to do a better job of loving well and being a person of forgiveness. At the same time, there are some of us who are doing the opposite. We are stuck in cycles that are abusive Maybe not physically, maybe physically, possibly emotionally. And we're stuck in kind of an abuse cycle. And we've decided that we have, well, I have to forgive. And that means I have to keep going back and let this same thing keep happening to me. When really the best way to love and forgive is, is, is a different sort of way forward. Some of you are in, in, in situations you need help. And if you think you may be, I beg you to reach out to someone. If you're having a trouble de determining the difference between those two things, talk to somebody you love and trust, but you know isn't always going to agree with you. And get the help in the insight. Again, most of us have relationships that we, really, it's just that I need to do a better job of being forgiving. A few of us have these ones that, they're just more serious. But all of us have these ones that are just kind of complicated in the middle. And typically they're the people, some of the people that we've known the longest, the people that we've been the closest to, family, longtime friends, where patterns start to emerge and hurt starts to come up and big things happen and there just isn't the right sort of resolution. And I don't know how to move forward with my spouse anymore. I don't know how to move forward with my kid, my parent, my brother, my sister, my best friend from 10 years, 20 years. And I, and I don't know what to do. The ending to this is going to be a little unsatisfactory because we've got a lot to talk about if we're going to figure out how to navigate those sorts of things. but I want you to hear from me. The Bible has a lot more to say about this and how to navigate what it means to be someone that loves well and forgives well in reality is really, can be really difficult. And what the relationship needs to look like moving forward depending on any number of factors, that's difficult. But before we get too deep into that, let's take a few steps back and ask ourselves some really significant questions. Am I doing a good job of loving people well when things get difficult or things get broken? Am I the type of person that holds grudges or easily forgives? Let's ask God to do that internal work in us to make us more loving, more forgiving, more gracious, more merciful people. Let's let God do that internal work in us. Because it really is only then 
that we really have the clarity, the maturity, the peace of mind to know how to move forward when things are just a little more complicated and a little more tricky than just kind of the way a simple hurt in a relationship can be. Let's make a commitment today and over these next few weeks that we are going to work, we're going to grow, we're going to learn, we're going to pray, we're going to meditate. We're going to let God do a work in us to make us people who deeply love and have a heart for forgiveness. Let me pray. God, I just confess that I'm just burdened. God, I want peace in all of my relationships. I want everybody to be okay. I want everybody to like me. But at the same time, God, very often I'm the difficult one. God, I pray that you will build in me compassion, gentleness, kindness, forgiveness. That, God, that I would be someone that loves well. And, God, I pray that for all of us. We would not surrender to bitterness. We would not hold grudges. And we would not run when things get difficult. The God that we would love well and forgive sincerely. And the God that you would give the, us the wisdom and the grace to figure out how to do that when things are at their most complicated. And we're so thankful for your son Jesus, whose love and forgiveness not only has changed our lives, but is a model for us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.